Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. like professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino and because the news desk is relatively empty i mean there's a couple of looming stories out there and we'll get to them in a second but uh there was an interesting question brought up in the voices of wrestling discord in our channel and i want to get that your happens thoughts from time to time that happens from time to time even though even though Nov hates all the people in Discord, and they tell him, "Chris, we still like you." <laughs> I, I don't, you know. They know say that. They say that. I don't hate them. They they hate me. Okay. I don't know why. I I, I mean, it, it, no matter how many times they say they don't, <laughs> I won't believe it. You have to understand that the Northern Boys, nobody likes me, plays in my head as background music. Kind of on a steady loop ever since its release. We need a beer summit is what we need between you two, these two. Parties. You know, I feel like those sorts of civility conventions always work out and solve the greater problems. <laughs> but it was an interesting question. It got me thinking because I have a very strong opinion on this and it will go way back to my old school. But I kind of want to hear somebody younger and more with the times. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nove. Oh, you. Okay. Yeah. Um. What is the point of good matches on TV from week to week? Or just what is the point of good matches? That that was the actual question. I don't want to editorialize after that. But what is the point of good matches, Chris? So, in thinking about this question in advance, where I got stuck on is what is a good match? Yes. I, I, I'm i with you. And to me, a good match needs to serve multiple functions. One, there is a program or programs that the wrestlers are involved in. And the match needs to serve narrative or storyline advancement in one or both of those storylines. If there's two ships passing in the night, you do something to advance the story and and you're doing something narratively consistent. Uh, Then you also have the issue of how you're formatting a television show. Yes. And what's interesting about quote unquote, a good match is that if the same type of good match happens multiple times, then you don't think match two and match three are good matches. The same way that often when a band comes on, especially like, you know, like 
um, kind of mid-band comes on. They play their first song. Kind of like, all right, I'm into that. Then you realize by song five that every song is just that. And that there's like one that you kind of liked out of all of them. And the rest were basically a blob of the same thing. And so then at that point, are those songs good? Are like those the Spin match- Doctors. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, like, yeah. That Spin Doctors album is a, a real good example. Pocket right? Full like, of Kryptonite, which isn't a bad album, but it's like after after you listen to it all the way through, it's like, huh, okay. Sugar Ray's Floored is kind of like that, too. All right. Yeah, uh, this is the album before the. Uh, actually, Floored is, I think, uh, the one with Fly. It's uh, the the first Lemonade, uh, Lemonade and Brownies. That is, uh, that's an album where it's like any one of those songs is good. But then, like when I listen to the entire album, I'm kind of like, was that a good album though? And so I, I think part of what makes a match good in the service of a broader show is does it bring the right high, the right low, the right level of variety? Does it set the table for the next match? And that's a complicated dance too. And then, of course, you know, good is variable depending on what function it it is on the card. Um, Let's say a preliminary match occurs and it's action-packed. They do tons of crazy stuff and it's, awesome it's it's two singles guys there you know they do everything from submissions daring escapes high flying stuff some outside weapons and that sort of thing is that match good if it's being worked in a main event style probably not because then where does it leave the rest of the card to go but then you know conversely you think about a title match and for a title match to be good it's got to have, you know, a good you know, 25, 30 minutes worth of stuff in it. Whereas an earlier prelim match can be a really good match, a sprint, uh, and it's 10 minutes. But we wouldn't necessarily accept a sprint as uh, at the end. So, like, what is the point of good matches is the initial question, right? And I think the point of good matches is to serve their individual spot in the card. And thus their requirements for each match in order to be good is extremely nuanced and individualized. That each match needs to sort of be assessed by those factors going in. What do these wrestlers need to achieve during this match? What type of match makes sense at this particular point in the card? And, you know, is the match actually worked with good moves? Um, and, and and then, of course, as Jeff and I often talk about in the show, we like a good story in the match. And a story can be an injured hand. It can be, uh, like with Orange Cassidy this week, uh, working on a leg. Uh, this guy is scared of the power of this other guy, so he's going to keep trying to duck and dive out of the ring. Something, you know, a simple backdrop story in there. A, a good match, to me works in all of these different layers and the point of each one of these good matches is slightly different i mostly agree um well tell me where i'm wrong so no, we can fight no, no not, i want to fight with you it's not where you're wrong necessarily but but i'll, I'll lay out my philosophy here and i'll actually come back to your usage you of hate me just Cassidy. like the discord Oh, trust me. The Discord will hit me for even more. But, I mean, good matches on TV, unless you're watching ECW, 
in the mid nineties, which was taking things from their big events and putting them on the weekly television and then interspersing them with interviews and stuff like that really didn't come about until the Monday night wars, unless it was a TV main event. And that's part of your argument of formatting a television show in which you would have squash, squash, squash. And then in an hour TV show, you'd have a televised main event. Sometimes it would run out of time magically. And sometimes it was for a purpose of getting, you know, a couple of groups, you know, a DQ maybe for a, for a stipulation match at a bigger event, or, you know, it would, you'd beat a lower card team, but that was still good, but they'd get a lot of offense in there and they'd have a really good match or you'd have, you know, you'd have a midnight fantastics match. Or, you know, occasionally you'd get a world title match, which was a real treat and stuff like that. And, and it's one of those things where I come out of it for a weekly, for the weekly TV shows, I could give a rip about good wrestling. What I want is character development. I want promos. I want, I want to build these guys up and also keep them away from each other for the most part, unless it's a hot angle kind of a thing. It's just... I want the build. I want the foreplay. I, I like that. And then for the for the cards, for the pay-per-views, that's where I want my good matches because I want the emotional resonance in there. My problem with good matches week to week is there's really no emotion in it and there's no hate and there's not a lot of real, real violence. Like, like, like you can, it feels, modern indie wrestling to me feels like the Street Fighter video game. A lot of times where it's like, and the athletes are so good. The, the thing about in my era is that you could have a good match with these steroid laden <laughs> cocaine fiends that were wrestling in the eighties, but they'd naturally get tired towards the end of the match. And so that exhaustion would show on and it would become a thing of desperation. And I don't feel that anymore in modern wrestling in a lot of matches. I did in like the, the Iron Man match. Quite a bit, but but you know what I mean. It's it's one of those things where guys are still going full speed after supposedly having a war. And it just it takes me out of it a little bit. But for me, a good match needs to be well timed and you know, can't be on like hour one of a three hour program because then the main event doesn't mean anything really. It it's one of those things where it's like I want it in the right place. And it's not that I don't enjoy the match either. It's like, you know, if I watch like Nathan Frazier and uh Dragon Lee or or whatever that the match was that, that was on a couple weeks ago on NXT. It's like, it's well worked. You know, the choreography is good, but, you know, I don't watch it for good choreography. I watch it because I still think of wrestling as a fake fight. And my issue with the, the Orange Cassidy-Buddy Murphy match last night is that Buddy Murphy, I, I wanted, you know, the stomp on the hand was the best move he did in that match to me. Because it's like, yes, there it is. There's the heat spot. I want to feel like he's beating down Orange Cassidy as opposed to, you know, I do a couple moves and then I hit a big knee out of nowhere. And then, and then I do a couple dives and I hit a big knee out of nowhere. I wanted to feel like he had a plan to go in there and beat down on Orange Cassidy and keep working that hand and working it and working it and working it. And that's, you know, that's kind of your your view of story. But really, all I want, I don't mind squash matches like real squash matches. Like that's the other thing that the Monday night wars did is it took out all your pasty white, every man avatars. 
that were meant to that were meant to represent you and me. If you got in this wrestling ring and Arn Anderson came in here, he would destroy you with his gourd buster and the DDT and what you know th- that that was the whole point really. I, I miss the kayfabeness of it a little, to be honest with you. I, I miss you know here here's the bad guys are talented wrestlers who have chosen this this way of living to make money for some reason. And some of them are bad people on the, some of them wear masks because they can't get booked unless they wear a mask because otherwise they know the identity and they're so violent in the ring that people won't sanction them unless they wear this mask. Oh, and by the way, there are people from foreign countries who are actually from North Carolina or Canada, but they've been applying their trade in Russia or Africa or whatever. And they've been brought in by Paul Jones or Skandar Akbar to then bring violence to the Von Erich brothers. You know, that that's, those are the types of things I enjoy. I could, I could live with a one hour show. Cause I also think there's way too much wrestling on TV because, and, and, you know, monthly premium events, there's just far too much of that. You know, I, I want the big events to be special and I want like three months of build where a lot of it's promos and occasionally a fight that has to get broken up. And, and, and then I'm invested in the quote unquote good match for the blow off. That that's what I want out of, you know, a good match, but you know, like something like, and I don't mind the occasional treat. Like I enjoyed Vikingo and Kenny Omega for what it was, you know, because I understand Lucha is not about that. Lucha, Lucha is an exception to the rule. I get it. But overall, you know, you're watching there, you know, they're doing all these crazy moves, but they're still doing crazy moves 20 minutes in. And you're ch- it's, it's a jam band type thing. It's like, God, I've heard this solo. How long is this solo going to go? <laughs> when are we going to get back to the actual uh, rhythm of the song <laughs> kind of a thing? And the rhythm of the song is to w- beat down the other guy to the point where you have, can pin his shoulders on the mat for a three count. And I still believe in that. It's still real to me, damn it, kind of a thing. And I, I understand that's an old fogeyism, and I, I've tried to adapt to the modern style and, and keep my eye on that. But most of my criticisms go back to basics, like Sol Ruka and Tiffany Stratton. Could have used a couple of good kicks or punches to the face in that match because the choreography was fine, and it was a fine match, and it was... I mean, I wouldn't say it was a great match, but for the their level of experience, it was very good. But it was very you could I, I could write out that match and tell you to do it type of a thing. And it's like, okay, you do a flip here, and I'll take a pause while you try and kick, and I'll jump off of that. It it's very Jackie Chan action movie type thing, and that kind of stuff takes me out of wrestling quite a bit, Chris. I I've rambled a bit there. Anything you want to take? Up, yes, up let me let me let me pick up on so. I understand better through that lengthy rant. I'm sorry. It what, so long. It, uh, it's okay. It's okay. I held my thought <laughs> that when people are saying good match, what they mean is quality technical exposition. And I guess what I would say is that that definition of good match is not necessarily a sufficient definition of a good match. Right. And you cited two examples there. 
Tiffany Stratton, Sol Ruka, and Orange Cassidy, and Buddy Matthews. And, and we can break them down both individually here in a second. But I, I guess sort of the axiom I would throw out there, uh, not to make a pun about axiom, uh, but w- what I would say is that sometimes in pursuit of having a good match, quote-unquote, we forget to have a good match. As in, like, what what is a good match for Tiffany Stratton? for example, here, with someone like Saul Ruka. It's not exhibiting that you can do a bunch of gymnastic stunts. Tiffany Stratton should be cruelly pulling on people's hair and tormenting them and, like, mocking how much better looking she is. And, like, this She's whole... She's a mean vin- girl, exactly. This, it, it, the whole somewhat, um, like, tame demeanor outside of the ring should be countervailed with, like, a real cruelty inside of the ring. And they they were so busy trying to do this move and that move and hit this spot and that spot in that match that, like, there was absolutely no essence from Tiffany Stratton, for lack of a better term. It, and it, then, you know, it was a studio-produced pop song. And then to move to Orange Cassidy and Buddy Matthews, which I mostly my, liked, by the way. Which, which I mostly liked. My my issue is sort of, they have a nice little story here going with Orange Cassidy, where he is getting more and more beat up. But I think there, there's a real interesting opportunity for inflection points here with Orange Cassidy, taking shortcuts. Uh, like, what is he going to do to get through these matches? And, and I think similarly... It, Matthews could have turned up the aggression even more on the hand. Um, yes. I mean, yeah, it really could have focused on you know, truly incapacitating this hand and then putting Cassidy further at a, a crossroads storyline-wise. Um, I think to a lesser extent, the axiom I threw out there of have, having a good match and forgetting to have a good match sort of applies there too. So I, I think I think that's a decent kind of take on like yeah, what like is a good ma- match a good match to me has to be entertaining in the television show and like like for example um i remember there was an episode of aew where i for this is like a few months ago where like every match had the same finish so by like the fourth or fifth match even if you thought like the second or third match was good you'd be annoyed with the finishes of all of them i remember this show I don't remember how they were finishing every one of those matches. I feel like I'm it was say it was like a roll up or a sunset flip or something like that. It was something weird. It's like the same move in every match, or maybe it was like a submission or something. I, I can't remember, but I get your feeling. But like again, I like I view TV wrestling. I view every match as like almost a miniature commercial. And what is the point I'm supposed to be getting out of this match? Like, I was much more entertained by the Blackpool Combat Club beating the absolute piss out of Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa than I was, you know, uh, than I was by any best friends match in the last three weeks, at least. Um, you know, because there was a point to it. Here's the commercial. It, it's It's here are these gym class bullies coming in there and beating up the geeky friends of the young bucks. I know why I'm watching this right now. I know why this is important right now. I know what the whole point of this right now, what was the point of orange Cassidy and buddy Matthews other than to get that on screen? Is there a bigger feud here with the house of black? I thought they already had that with the six man. You know, it's that kind of thing where it's like, we're burning through too many of these 
character versus character type things instead of building them up. And that's the nature of free television right now. I get that. But like the actual real squash matches where you didn't have people with actual ability wrestling against the stars, it was number one. To, these guys are stars. Okay, here's the Andersons. They like to break people's arms and dislocate them and hurt people by twisting their knees and stuff like that, making them scream in pain. It's like, okay, these guys are credible athletes in here, and I'm looking forward to the next fight when they actually come up against an actual challenge. And I think that's part of the thing that's been lost in modern wrestling is because everything's become kind of super indie in a way. Like like PWG I like, but I, I get no satisfaction out of going to shows because it's like cotton candy there's no sustenance there it's just it's a match and it's a match probably with a lot of good high spots or or something to that effect and it just there's no you know there's no there there for me i I enjoy it but it's not my thing necessarily and i started feeling emptier as and so did my wallet as i kept paying for it so that's why i've kind of stopped going but like good matches on big cards for starcade where the drama is going one way and up the other, and you're given time to build that internal story. And the story has been built also by the supplemental stuff of doing promos about how I don't like you every week. And this is why I'm here. And I want that national tile because it'll up my lifestyle and blah, 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 blah. And then you get to the match and, and it's great. I mean, the last time I think they really, I mean, they've done a lot of the bloodline has been fantastic in doing that. Up until up until Cody didn't win, uh, the last time I really enjoyed that kind of build was when they built up Bailey from a perennial loser to winning the NXT title. I mean, they told the entire story of her going through all her tormentors, and it, you know, you know, it, it's it's like movies, really. I mean, they say that on WWE, but it really is that the cohesive story is here's the obstacles or here's the reason why these two people don't like each other. And then we build it and we build it and we build it until we get to the clash at the end. And And another way of thinking of it is like a good match. What is the point of a good match? And sort of the definition we were talking about earlier is that's supposed to be the action scene at the climax of the movie. Yes. Leading to the satisfying denouement. So like for a lot of people, the main event of WrestleMania was not a good match, despite the fact that I think Roman and Cody had a very good first two thirds of the match until, yes. until the outside interference happened. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I came up with a counterfactual too, based on the conversation we we're having off air of like, imagine if you will Hogan and sting in 1997 have a really good match. I, I know, I know a really good Hulk Hogan. Motivated Hogan, man. I'm Motiv- here for that. Motiv- yeah. Motivated Hogan. And they're having a really good match. And then we get to the finish and Hogan delivers the big boot and hits the leg drop and pins Sting clean in the middle of the ring. Thus continuing the narrative death spiral of the NWO. Was that then a good match? I would argue no, because it still failed to deliver a narratively satisfying finish. So the point of good matches in that definition has to be in service of stories with beginnings, middles, and ends. And you don't need a million action scenes or similarly to an action movie. You have earlier action scenes, but you save the big payload for the end. You know, there's like a fight in the kitchen earlier on in the movie against three goons. And then you save the save the fight with 50 guys for the end. 
Yeah. And- if you do the fight with 50 guys in the beginning, then you have to keep raising the stakes. And then you're making Kill Bill where you're like beating up a thousand people at the end of the movie. And, and I understand, you know, younger fans who are just they watch it and they just want to see they just want to see the action. They want to see the high spots. You know, I don't watch wrestling for acting. I don't watch wrestling for storytelling. I watch it for the in-ring stuff. And I think there's a certain amount of gatekeeping there, to be honest with you. It's a certain amount of, oh, did you see this? Yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. What did you? I gave it three, three quarter stars type of thing. Oh, you didn't watch it? You're not a real wrestling fan type yeah, of a I, thing. They really should get into boxing. Like, if that's your engagement with wrestling, boxing is right there. If you don't want to care about these guys too much and just like look at like the quality of punches, there is a sport for you, my friend. But they like the action. I get that. But I I just can't watch two hours of just matches. You know, I need some emotion in there. I need some hate. I need some violence, real violence, not for lack of a better term, I always say Claudio Castagnoli violence because it's like, man, he hits hard but does no damage to anybody in in, in a match with him. It's so weird. It's like he, he's nothing he, but super moves. Like like every single move moves, of his but they don't should affect be finishers. Anybody. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 amazing to me. I've watched him for years. I'm just like, why does he go in the back and tell people to sell harder for those moves? Because I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you style. a gorilla press oh. slam and then hit you with a massive European uppercut. Get back up and give me an Irish whip. Yeah. <laughs> <Just like what? laughs> no, I'm serious. That's If there's been a wrestler who has taken me out of wrestling in some ways, and I love the guy, it's Claudio. Because you watch him, and he's, you know, he's this tall guy who hits, or at least it feels like his uppercuts hit like a ton of bricks and the guys just got, they go back for a second and all of a sudden they're, they're matching with him or they're doing moves on him. And Claudio's being all smooth with them. I'm just like, dude, if you were, if you were in 1986, <laughs> you'd be a killer. Instead you're trading blows with some guy who's five foot six and a good worker. And you're just like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, no. Claudio and Bill Watts would have an interesting conversation. Yes, I imagine that's who. God, I was praying for him to go be a guest coach and watch Claudio, and then put him aside. And go, what the hell are you doing? I'm fining you, and I'm firing you for losing that fight. Pick just, one of them. That's your finisher. Yes, you don't need six. You know, throw a guy up in the air and hit him with an uppercut type. <laughs> that should be a finisher. Yes. Oh, strong style is kind of, you know, because it's the constant, because it is a, basically the video game version of wrestling. It's the constant putting the quarter in and your life bar goes back up stuff. It's the combination of strong style and Lucha that has brought this very toxic quality to the HP meter of wrestling. Yes. I I would agree both of them. Both of them are fine in doses, but especially when they got synthesized together, it's like nobody sells. Yeah. I mean, or nobody's HP bar works the same way it used to. Yeah. I I mean, I like Tomohiro Ishii, but it's one of those things where you watch one of his matches and you've seen it. You've seen the Tomohiro Ishii match, you know, the forearms to the head and everybody's kind of taking it as opposed to, you know, actually being affected by forearm blows to the head kind of a thing. And you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's different versions of no selling is what it is. 
and you know it, i like my selling i i do but uh that's our discussion if you have any comments write to chris on instagram at dr nov d-o-c-t-o-r underscore n-o-v i'm at crap game 13 on twitter or find wherever this wrestling voices of wrestling discord link is and join the shake shake them ropes channel and tell us we're idiots and that's yeah, fine like too. like once or twice a week i'm going in there now i'm going in there still yeah uh yeah still Still, that's, hard, I, that's heartening stuff. I'm sure the 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 fans they haven't like run that. me off yet. No, they they they're trying to run me. You off. know, they'll they'll go into the flagship channel. They'll praise Joe and Rich as geniuses, and they'll come into our channel and call us both idiots. We're great. Yeah, no, they call me uh, they call me horrible names. No, they don't. They, uh, you don't know that. Fights in the in the news. It's been alluded to, but not yet in stone. CM Punk looking for a way back into AEW. I find this fascinating. I I think uh, I have said, I think I said this last week. I think CM Punk is the key to getting a sellout in Wembley. I do. Uh, preliminary is that he might, he's, he's been looking to possibly work with Jericho or the elite. Rumors abound that he might be put in charge of the Saturday show. Uh, that they're looking to get going on on one of the Turner channels, the 605 territory that they're calling it. I, Man, that's the one part where I go, no, let's not do that. Because if we're bringing him back and we're putting him in charge of a show and it becomes a, okay, you have to be loyal to punk or the no, rest there's of the gonna locker be punk room. guys within three months. There'll be punk guys. It, it, you know, it, if, there will? He had, if he had his own show. Yeah, there would be I people. I think, look, there are some people who would love to do that, but I think there are some people who are like, Tony goes, hey, we're putting you on this Saturday show. We're going, are you kidding me? No, type of right. a thing. No, so I mean, you, you, I, I think that a surefire way to divide the locker room with his reinsertion is to give him his own show. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of <laughs> interested in what his theories on wrestling are. Because like it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, Triple H was raised on the territories in the eighties, and he brings none of that to to his style. So I'm just like, he's just doing more WWE light stuff. But uh, speaking of which, by the way, travel issues affected this week's Raw. Uh, it was pretty much being written on the fly at times because you know nobody got a few people didn't get in until. Uh, late in the third hour due to storms in Florida and the flights out of Orlando being delayed. Uh, I kind of liked this raw for the most part. Um, I thought they did some interesting things. We'll get to it in the lazy river. Uh, as for numbers. Well, it, I see. This is where WWE announcing that they're booking upwards of six months in advance really feels like an authentic thing. <laughs> it's moments like this that really make you feel that six months ahead. Look, no, but, uh, you know, it, wrestling had an interesting week because last Friday was big for both brands in some way. SmackDown, 2.468 million viewers. Oh, sorry. 0.69 in the demo. Rampage did uh, 553,000 um, for Rampage itself, and then about 400,000 carried over for the Battle of the Belt show that they did right after that that was pretty much unannounced. And here you go. Battle of the Belts. Uh, Dynamite last night, 866,000 viewers, 0.28, number six in 18 to 49. NXT, 528,000 viewers. It's lowest, so it's very weird that 
They and Rampage do similar numbers, but one's considered a success and one's considered not a success, but you understand why somewhat. And then Raw, 1.8 million, 0.59 in the demo. Yeah, the Rampage NXT comp is real interesting because I think sort of the criticism... I'm sorry, 503,000, not 553. That's my fault. Uh, the, the criticism for both of them is that they both should be much stronger products. Like, I think I think the best way of looking at them is they both should be doing better. Like, Rampage was supposed to be the secondary show for AEW, and AEW's transfer over is not necessarily always super strong over that show. As we go into the lazy river, I'll, 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 I'll stick you with this question a bit, Chris, since we're comparing Rampage and NXT. If you watch... Oh, I should mention NXT used to be good, too, and, and <laughs> get better ratings. But I, I figure most of us know that. If you were watching Sol Ruka and Tiffany Stratton and had watched Friday's Rampage and watched Anna Jay and Julia Hart, which do you think were the veterans... Because, because Stratton and Ruka worked circles around what Anna Jay and Julia Hart did in that ring last Friday. That was a dreadful, dreadful showing by those two. And Jay's turned in some stinkers. Yeah, well, she's not working indies. I don't know if she's training at the at the Nightmare Factory, by the way. She has the TV contract. Julia Hart's been getting less work since she's turned into the Stevie Nicks character. And you know the people grinding are actually getting better. That that's the weird thing. <laughs> Very strange, but you know, I I and I give credit to the people who are still out there trying who have lost that you know any either big two contract. Uh of all people, Jesse Camilla is in stardom right now. Oh, good for her. Good for her. Yeah. I, she's in her 30s. She's way past I mean I wouldn't say way past her prime, but she didn't really show a lot of grace in terms of her athleticism. She's athletic, but she never really had dexterity, and they repackaged her 30 times. But I am interested, at least, in seeing what stardom and a, and a tour of stardom does for Jesse Camilla and her confidence. Vanessa Bourne slash Daniel Camilla is still out there taking indie gigs. Zeta Zhang is out there taking indie gigs. In AEW itself, Red Velvet and Layla Gray are both working indies still on, on by the week. And you've seen the improvement in Red Velvet. I think Layla Gray is improving. You know, and, and then we have these two. Who, no offense, I, I think they do some good work. Anna Jay is the queen of the death match, as I often say. And, and Julia Hart is still very, very young in the business. But you're just kind of like flummoxed. Because say what you will about the PC... You, you can see improvement in Stratton and Ruka from, you know, just being plain gymnast, even though that still overwhelms their matches in many, many ways. So I'll go, I'll go a different place. We're lazy rivering now, right? Yeah, we are lazy rivering. You can go. Okay. So Becky Lynch, let's talk about Bex for a second. Okay. Bex hasn't been very good since she's been back. And this match on Monday was particularly rough. Yeah. Uh, I like it wasn't just Trish. Uh, there, there was a lot of Becky swinging and missing. Uh, it, it's just, it's just something that's caught my eye I, out of that match on Monday. I, I thought the whole angle sucked. I thought Trish was lousy. 
I don't know how interested I am in Trish becoming a heel. Uh, and I hate I run. hate this move though. I always hate this move of we have this big match at Mania, and then like the next week they turn heel. It's like why not just turn heel at Mania, and and start it there. And it's yep. weird that Lita couldn't somehow speak to who her, the nature of her attacker was. <laughs> I was I'm absolutely be, blindsided. Be, 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 yeah, okay, all right. But, but let, let's balance the, the good with the poor. Io Shirai, or Io Sky, came with her, I mean, she came with a mission in that in that trios match. That was the best I've seen her since she's been brought up. I, I love, I remember, I mean, look, kids, if you don't remember, when she was signed, she was the best wrestler on the planet, male or female. And she spent far too long in NXT, although I still love a lot of her work in NXT. I've been kind of waiting for this. If they're breaking up damage control, I kind of hope it's they split Bailey off and keep Dakota and EO together, because I think Dakota needs... I think Dakota needs someone to be with, but I don't think Bailey would be the right choice necessarily. Keep well, them I also think that EO needs someone to be with because yes, because okay. Dakota has been doing the mic work for EO and making the EO stuff make sense. Cause you know, otherwise, you know, we get into the goofy tropes that Vince McMahon is very fond of very quickly with a yes. solo Io Shirai. I would turn them both face. I, I would have Bailey turn on both of them. Oh, really? Okay. I, yeah. I was thinking Bailey. It might be time for Bailey to go back to being a baby face for a while. Oh no, I, I I think she should be the jealous one. She should go even more heel and turn on both of them. Yeah, I, I could see Bailey and Trish being a a duo. I could see Bailey and Oscar. Reforming a twosome, I, I that would be interesting to me. I, I well, I, I actually I like, read something. Trish, Trish managing Bailey could be interesting. I don't. I'm just not interested in Trish back in the ring. It yeah, was, it was very, very one dimensional. People don't want to boo her. People don't want to boo Trish Stratus. She's now in that legend category. No, every time she pulls off a Frankenstein, you kind of feel good for her. Yeah. Guys want to cheer because she's still hot. I mean, it's you hate to say it that way, but it's true. It's like people don't want to boo Trish Stratus at all. It, it, it's such a weird... And, and it's weird casting is what it is. It really is. And, like, I, I just don't know how you're going to get menace out of Trish. This this Trish, if anything, you know, now that she's What's she going to say? For the two weeks you were tag champs, you wouldn't let me be in on the fun? She has no motivation here to be a heel. That's the other weird part. Also true, but yeah, like I, I mean, it's just, she's been doing yoga. She's not been like doing like so the menace like thing, you know that that kind of element, that kind of aspect is not going to be there. Uh, I mean, she was a great heel back in the day too, but once she no, turned she baby was. face, yeah, once she turned baby face, it was over for that period of her life. You know, like her original run as heel was awesome. Yeah, but yeah, she was very effective, but. I, I just don't think that people are going to want to boo her like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it, it I thought that was a, I mean, I saw it coming from a mile away, but I was just like, huh, how are you going to book Trish? Mm. Chris, Asuka is 0-5 at WrestleMania. Are you kidding me? And and she's doing some weird emo thing now on her social media about going back to Japan and stuff like that. But I, I think, 
I'll, I'll take the Bailey Asuka healed them. And if they want Trish as a mentor, I'll take that as a stable. I think that'd be a nice little stable right there. Um, Let's, okay. I, I, I've, it's been fun in games, but now I'm going to get a little serious. Jeff Hardy is back in AEW. This is a mistake. I think I said this last time too, but now it's now it's even more on Tony Khan if something happens. And look, I understand people's good. Oh, I wish him the bestest time. Or people oh, who talk to on. Jeff Hardy. People who yeah. talk to Jeff Hardy or uh, Matt Hardy at WrestleCon and said, "You know what, Jeff's just ready to come back." But but let let's let's get some clear things out of the way. He got a sweetheart deal from that judge when he should be in prison. Having his license suspended for 10 years isn't going to do Jack because his license was suspended when he rented this last car or had a car rented for him. He has a history of driving illegally. Yeah. And he, he doesn't care. Uh, I am, look, I am willing to give redemption stories, but that takes time. And it's not that Jeff has to prove that he can't, that he can handle his demons for me. It's not that. It's that he's proven he can't handle his demons and that wrestling's part of it. And we've brought him back in now because, well, a, a judge said, hey, cool beans, time served. You're not a threat to society. And just like, no. And it makes the company heal to me in some ways because I'm just like, I'm... I rarely get viscerally angry at these types of things, but this one I was. Because I'm just like, he's just back, and everything's cool, and hey, I promise, and I'm sure, you know, Matt and his wife are going to go on social media and go, well, you don't know the things he's done behind the scenes, blah, blah, blah. I don't, but I know he hasn't done it in the past, because he says, I don't need that stuff. So I might like a little proof. And I think this is being taken far more lightly than it should be. But of course, I'm also a bit of a moral scold at times. I, you know, I'm very judgmental at times, admittedly, and I try not to be. But this, it's just, if this goes wrong, Tony Khan needs to really, really take some heat. Yeah, I saw him on my television screen and. This is easily my least favorite part of the show uh, by a large, large margin. Uh, we've talked about Jeff Hardy in the past, and I think you and I are both in firm agreement that he should be blacklisted from the major companies in the United States. I mean, look, if he wants to go and work an indie show, it can't stop him. But I just have no interest in cheering this man. And... I don't even have interest in booing this man like that because I can't even think of a way to... For, like He doesn't even have that kind of heat with me. He's... like I just find him repellent. He, he's dangerous. And, and the thing that bothers me the most, you sort of alluded to it too earlier, is that he's unrepentant about... All of these multiple, multiple, multiple incidences being behind an automobile heavily intoxicated, a thing that can kill people. It, it, it I, I just don't look at that lightly. 
and he has such a deep history of it that I'm done with him. I agree with you. I think the judge let him off. It's not necessarily Tony Khan's decision to, you know, go like, well, the judge let you off, so I'm going to punish you more. But, like, I'll, I'll, I think you really nailed it. That wrestling is clearly part of the problem. Needing to make the towns is part of the problem. And unless there is some sort of deal where Tony Khan is like, I will literally be paying for Ubers for everywhere you go from the second you get on the flight to after. Like, I don't know how you can responsibly utilize Jeff Hardy without potentially be employing Jeff Hardy and encouraging him to get behind the wheel of an automobile, which is something that the man does not need to be doing. I think he, he I think he's, as you've said, it's not that he shouldn't get the chance to redeem himself. It's that he's had so many chances that he's sort of proven he can't. Uh, and, and, and and I'm not even talking about that morally. I'm just thinking about that singularly about the driving behind the wheel. Yeah. He should have to pay to get a cab or take an Uber for the rest of his life. Sorry that, that, you know, the cost for living the way he, he has for as long as he has should be that. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, there were rumors during the, I don't know if it was the last Vegas show or the Vegas show before that, that he was uh, in no condition. And I think it was played off as an injury, but there were, there were some rumblings that uh, Jeff and Vegas don't mix. So I'm a little also nervous about this next pay-per-view coming off. I, I, I think this is going to end poorly. I, I do. And one way or another, either, either him showing up and making a fool of himself you know, in front of the camera, behind the scenes, or or just going back to the same habits. And I don't want that to happen. And that's partly where my anger comes in as well, where it's like you keep going back to an abusive situation. At some point, it's your fault for going back to it over and over again. And I think that's what it is. It, it's the pain of his style, needing to make the towns, you know, hey, man, I'm, you know, you know, the, the for lack of a better term, the rock and roll lifestyle in some ways, because he still considers himself a free spirit artist type thing. I, I just, I, I'd like to see him live on a farm for, for a year and, and, you know, be away from everybody <laughs> and, and come back and go, Hey, I'm a, I have, I've gotten perspective, but that's not going to happen. He literally looks like the guy he was in his twenties. He yeah, is that guy, and that's not just the gimmick, and that's not just the constraints of being the wrestling gimmick. Matt's changed his multiple times through the years. This is a guy who wants to live like that forever, and it's so clear what that cycle of life leads. And Darby, some, look at your future. <laughs> no, some like morbid part of me like wants this to blow up in Tony Khan's face because it's such a patently obvious bad idea. Yeah. And I guess we need to see it demonstrated one more time and we're going to, because I I'm with you. I, I think the most likely way this ends is that Jeff Hardy has an incident. And the question is, does it end up on camera and on television or is it just merely limited to him not showing up and blowing an angle or something like that? Your turn on the lazy river, sir. Hmm. I really liked the Darby Allen and 
MJF encounter. I thought Darby Allen was generally very strong on the mic, a lot better presence than Agree. I've seen in, in, in prior times. And he just like felt like a much more meaningful, incredible threat. I liked Sting coming out. Um, although <laughs> the unfortunate, I love this. I did. This was really good. But <laughs> the unfortunate thing about Sting coming out and even saying, I don't want a title match right now, and then putting over Darby yeah. strong AF is that immediately I left that segment going, huh, shit. Sting versus MJF were like MJF trying yes. to snipe out Sting's career. Yes. Like is good tragedy, man, and is exactly the sort of like win that MJF needs. And like I, I think you know, that sort of thing. He needs to beat Sting pretty much clean. Like like it he needs to best Sting so that he has this like one chip on his shoulder here. And then of course everyone can point out that like Sting was like 40 years his senior and all of these other things. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I think that that was a really intriguing tease and they might go that way. I, I you know, I, it I, was so strong in terms of Darby's promo, even though I, fe- I, there's a little bit of nihilism in there at the end. I'm just, okay. Like, oh. I hate, I hate the, the space plastic world will take me alive. Like, shush. Yeah. <laughs> that was a... Stop that. Stop that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm the only real thing in this world. All right. Oh my God. No, I, I going, get it. you're going heel, buddy. Stop, stop, yeah, stop, stop, stop it, please. <laughs> Look, capitalism is paying for this arena right now. Let's just, <laughs> oh, all of you are fake. All you fans, all you people are fake. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's borderline that. Yeah. No, it, like it's all, it's almost calling everyone like conformos or something. It's it's very Holden Caulfield. <laughs> I, I look out at all these fake people in this yes. locker. It's Raven. It's almost Raven. It's almost Raven too. Yeah, I would I would say that as well. Um, what it was? I mean, a lot of that, like the early part of that promo, was so strong. You almost want to just pivot to MJF and Darby instead of the four way. And I think Sammy's been doing outstanding work because I love I love Sammy Guevara. He's just he is the perfect heel flake that you need. As I like to say, his his archetype is Vince from The Color of Money, Tom Cruise's character. He is such a perfect flake in this thing. And Jungle Boy is getting run around in circles by everybody here. And it's just one of those things where it's like almost you want to bail on the four-way unless you can strengthen up the other two parts of it. Um, what do you think about that? Mm. I mean, I felt going into the four-way that Darby was the strongest of the three. And okay. I, I've seen I've seen more out of Sammy than I was expecting. Yeah. But this has basically gone the way I thought it was going to go, which is that, like, Sammy's actually better – as a promo and on the mic that I think people give him credit for, it just hasn't, it hasn't connected for whatever reason. I, I think he's, he's actually pretty solid. And I think you see some of that here. It's the heel the way- heel thing. I think. Well, the heel heel thing. I mean, that's, but, but I'm saying even before when he was like a baby face or whatever, I right? right. just, I think he's actually a good promo. I, I, it's just for whatever reason, hasn't been sticking. I don't think 
like Jack Perry did not really inherit the acting thing from Luke. No, huh? he did not. No, that's that that that's not running in the family, or maybe it's skipping a generation. Um, which you know happens. It happens sometimes. Um, I now Darby in focus, MJF taking out Sting on his path to facing off with Darby and having this be this like really emotional revenge showdown for Darby. Man, that's that's an interesting finish to this MJF story. I, I'm in I'm into that. But like he has to M- this is like a Rocky Four sort of thing. Like uh, MJ or uh, Darby watches his uh, mentor, you know, ally friend go down. Yes. His best friend in the company go down. And now he has to get revenge. And now He's, I need Sting as Apollo Creed. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I like. I, da, 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 da. <laughs> him coming out as the Joker almost just like a little bit. Oh. Of I, I, I even enjoyed the Palm Palms, Jeff. I, I liked. I liked this thing. It got my, it got the gears in my head turning. And yes, the spotlight dimmed on Jungle Boy as those gears were turning. Let me give credit uh, to somebody I give credit to a lot and then credit to someone I don't give credit to a lot that I'll go into a bigger point. Um, Thea Hale, as part of Chase U, is amazing to watch as an actress doing wrestling. Because while she sometimes has the amp turned up to 11, her ability to pivot on emotional choices and take that to 11 is something that I can't teach some actors when I was doing improv. Like, you watch, and there is no phrase or thing done in that ring where Thea Hale isn't reacting to it in some way. And during this whole promo with Braun Breaker, where God bless him, Duke Hudson looked terrible trying to, you know, look at me being morally conflicted kind of a thing. Thea Hale. It's fantastic being both, you know, worried for chase and then scared of Braun and then angry at Braun. And she is a dynamo. She, she, I, I wish, I hope she improves in the ring. Not that she's bad, but I just hope she's good enough to be able to parlay this into something because I really like her a lot. Yeah, I think the problem with the Duke Hudson thing <laughs> is that Chase, you should see through this guy at this point. Yes. He's making them look dumb. Yes. I, and it, I it is Brody. <laughs> it's really leading to the stupid baby face thing. Yes, no, this would be, man, it would be great a great finish to this is bat comes Brody to beat Duke Hudson, the yeah. guy who actually loves chase you. And if that's where we're all going with this, I could be there for that. That makes that's, this story make sense. And then the person I don't give a lot of credit to, but he cut the best promo I've seen from him in a long time. Is that understated promo by Kenny Omega on dynamite. I really liked that. <laughs> I howled at the oil painting of him and callus in the background but it's kind of blurred like you're on a Zoom call. <laughs> that was a very, very nice touch. And and I wanted to use that. Uh, I mean, really. Understand- Although it's it really is hard to generate sympathy for Dodd Callis. It is. Oh, but, oh, but, oh Omega tried, but like I, narratively, yes. he's just been a scoundrel forever. It's like if Bobby the Brain Heenan got his ass kicked on some episode of Raw in 1992, 
you would not be able to get the weasel over as this sympathetic guy <laughs> no. in the hospital room. No, I'm but sorry. but but damn, did Kenny try? Oh, and they I, tried. My and I, I love the understatedness of this. So so good for him. And it got into this. Then the Blackpool Combat Club and the return of the Bucks and Omega. And my thing on this was I liked this overall. And, and it was very reminiscent of, say, Horseman slash Dusty and his friends. But I thought it needed another week. I thought this would be the week where they come out and they fail to get one up on it because they got a lot of offense on Moxley. And then... You know the the repeating of the of the screwdriver in the uh, in the turnbuckle. Where <laughs> I tried to kill a guy. I, I thought it was a little much. I thought this was the week where Blackpool Combat Club should escape, get a little bit more heat, build a little bit more tension, and then maybe next week or the week after is the week that the Bucks and Kenny get it. I actually thought Brian Danielson was going to come out and hit Kenny from behind on the ramp, but no, the, the Bucks came in, gave a gave V triggers to John Moxley. And then Kenny tried to stab him with a screwdriver. And I'm not sure Kenny should be the one to be stabbing him with a screwdriver, even though it's a callback to the full gear 2019 match. I think the baby well, faces should not be roaring back yet in this. No, feud. exactly. No, the baby faces should still be on the, on the run a little bit, right? On the now. run a bit or, or the heels should be now scared of how angry the baby faces are. But it shouldn't be one of those things where the baby faces have has gotten the upper hand in a fight just yet, unless you're gonna heighten it. And I'm kind of interested to see how they heighten it after they put everybody in the hospital. Uh also thought What Adam do they pa- put Omega in the hospital next? Yeah, maybe. I mean, and then Adam Page comes back from getting beat down. The, to yeah, make the, Bucks, the, save. the Bucks, the Bucks have to get Paige back into the fold. Well, I mean, he's already there, but I thought Paige should be the guy with the screwdriver, too. I thought Omega, even though it's a callback, he wasn't the one who had his face almost carved up with a screwdriver. It was Paige. So, yeah, I, I, I found it. I liked the, I liked it overall. It was just one of those things where I go, this is too soon. Bad, bad guys haven't, haven't established enough control yet. Yeah, the, the verdict is very much still let, out for me let, on this iteration of Blackpool. Let the resonance of beating up Nakazawa and Cutler right and then do do it later have them come out and nurse the friends and stuff like that by the way another thing from a guy I criticized a lot in the last few months Wheeler Yuta as the Sean Waltman of Blackpool Combat Club is working for me I love this move where he is just the absolute crap heel coming in and and beating up a guy after the win and stuff like that absolute six-pack heat and I'm here for that, for Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, Yuta doing a good job. And for their part, I thought Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler, okay, they got too much offense in. Way too much offense yes, in. Yes. But the one thing I did like that I would have kept in my edited version of the match was the part where Cutler makes like the emotional save on Nakazawa, and then that completely sets off Blackpool Combat Club. Yes. Like, we're going to kill you now. Um, That... I would have kept that. I love that spot a lot. And yeah, no, I, I, I shout out Nakazawa and Cutler here. I mean, obviously both those guys can go. And I thought that they, they did a good job. Like for, for me, largely that was a good match in the sense that those two guys came down and worked their characters the right way. And they had a good match. Like if Brandon Cutler came out there and did everything Brandon Cutler could do and Nakazawa came out there and like 
wrestled a strong style type match against Blackpool, it would have been a good match because these two guys have been presented as goopers for months. Right. I, I think uh, the one one week part of Nakazawa's thing was I think he got far too many punches on Claudio. I think it should have been yes. one punch that kind of knocked out Claudio a little bit. And Claudio just fires up and gets pissed and just destroys him. But that's Claudio syndrome, right? Yeah, like we, that we is. talked about that earlier. Like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, theoretically, any one of Claudio's moves should annihilate both Cutler and Nakazawa. And I do like how there is a power differential between Cutler and Nakazawa, where Cutler is easily dismissed and Nakazawa you have to trifle with. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that was, it was a very 80s type of squash match almost. And I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I, would have act, I would have actually made a bigger deal of you know, they're, they're beating on Nakazawa, beating on Nakazawa, beating on Nakazawa. And even the commentary is going, oh, man, just just let him just let him tap. Just let him. And then Cutler comes in, makes a heroic save. And everybody just turns and goes, what the F are you doing? <laughs> and even Cutler just realizes, oh, crap. Oh, <laughs> now the beatings must continue type of a thing. But yeah, no, I, I, I really did enjoy this. Uh, I have no other notes on my Lazy River. What do you have? Uh, I'm liking Breaker as a heel. Uh, like the, I, I find him in. Like, we'll see where they go with the character. They might go too much one way or too much the other way. He has a lot of Scott in him as a heel. Yeah, they they are right now, and, and I, I I think you got to keep it muted. But he really works as just like a dick. Yeah, not yeah, not not like necessarily cruel. Not just like it's just that like he's now a dick. And he, 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 like, he wants his title back. He has contempt for everybody else. And yeah, he's working for me. I, I like Breaker. Uh, I'm more interested into how they're going to thread the needle and making this Trick Williams, Carmelo Hayes thing work because Trick does not help Mello no. be a heel or be a face at all. No, he helps him be a heel. And I didn't even think he was that useful as a heel. I think Melo could do it all. Unless Trick takes just a massive beating from either Braun or another heel, trying to get the trying to get the title. Like you've got to really, you, and they've already done the Tony D and Stax thing. So like yes. the, the storyline they need to do, they've already ran with Stax and Lorenzo uh, yeah. or uh, Stax and uh, Tony D. But like Trick needs to be, I you know the loyal friend or whatever who, who's you know like I I think can't overplay it but you almost have to like do like a no, gonna, segment where turn, trick yeah, they're, they're gonna, gonna turn trick on mellow is what's but gonna that's happen. gonna be a stupid match because tricks not that good exactly like you know tricks is there he's never been that good no he, he but he's big and he's tall he's got abs yeah, no he's got abs i'm not saying he doesn't that's why not, vince but, put him on main event oh one time. oh i have one other segment i Loved this Cora Jade promo because <laughs> I didn't re- I didn't realize I was getting a roast. This is Cora Jade just coming out and roasting the entire roster. Cora Jade addresses her enemies. Yeah, and for, yeah, all, all of them, which is everybody. It's like ah, ladder of Valkyra. You're something. <laughs> like, oh, it's great. I but I mean, it was stupid. It was bad. But like by the seventh time, it's like we crossed the line three times or whatever. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, it got into so bad it's good territory. Yo, absolutely. And that's kind of Mr. Stone breaking up with Von Wagner for me. Like, it's it's bad, but it's good. But, like, it, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's all I got for NXT. You know, Robert Stone is so underutilized. 
to me. And I thought, I thought, I really wanted to see it work in the end, where it's like now they've come to the uh, ennui section of their relationship, and do they really love each other? <laughs> kind of a thing. I think if you're gonna make him a parody of Tony Khan, what they should do is they should have him uh, be really concerned about like Von Wagner's work rate and that sort of thing. Like you're not working fast enough. You need to do more impactful moves. Like it would be more bug-eyed stuff. More. A little more Harpo marks in him. A little them. more Harpo marks in him. Yeah, the uh, somehow make an announcement, pass it to pass it to another wrestler. Hand, he <laughs> hands announcements to Vic during the match. Yes. Oh, Vic and Booker are increasingly becoming a low key thing. I actually enjoy on NXT because Vic just Vic like, is fighting just, back. Yes, like <laughs> when. Booker this week said champagne wishes and caviar dreams, and Vic just goes, "That made that didn't even make sense there, Booker." I was like laughing so hard that Vic is Vic is very funny. He's well, good. Vic, Vic is very good at trolling Booker T. Yeah, because he knows that Booker doesn't watch the product all yep. that much. There's so, a way that there's a way that Vic does it, and it goes over it's Booker sly. T's. Oh, it's, it's so fun. sly! It's so good. He's funny. I, oh, I, I, I'm a Vic Joseph fan. I, I have been for a long, long time. I thought, I thought Vic should have had the raw gig. To be yes. honest. Oh with yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Oh, versus Kevin Patrick, who's still just like there. Yeah, I, I, when they took it away from him because of the failure of his color commentators, I was very, very disappointed because wasn't the team Vic and then the the man known as Mansoor and Jerry Lawler, and he had to deal with that. Oh, he. Th- did he have to do? Did he have to do an episode with Mansoor? Yeah, no, Mansoor was on color, and remember Brock Lesnar came and shoved him through a table. And no, that was no, no, that, that wasn't. No, it's not Mansoor. You're thinking of uh, the other one, uh, Marseille, 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 myself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was like. No, no, no. no okay, no. yeah, no, you're right. Okay, I can't remember the bad names Mace. that they've given. Mace, them. he Mace. was part. He was part of that quality faction that brought us Slapjack. Also, by the way, just 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 to end on on unrepentant stupidity note, I love Otis. <laughs> I this, thought this that, gimmick is cringe, but he is good at it. And like, look, I thought the match was actually a good story too, where you know you needed the two guys to really handle Otis, and I, I, it handled the power differential on Otis well. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. I mean, Otis is always going to be Chris Farley, and we get it. But yeah, he does a very good job at it. Um, I got nothing else. Do you have anything? I don't have anything else. Okay, let's end it there then. This has been Shake Them Rubs. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris on Instagram at docto.docto.r underscore nov. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Rubs, all one word, on Twitter. We're part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. If you want to hear more of me, I am on Fight Game Media, patreon.com slash fightgamemedia for five bucks. You can hear me on the Dynamite Show, which drops late Wednesday night, about 15 minutes after Dynamite goes off the air. Myself and Paul Fontaine thoroughly deconstruct everything in the world of AEW and my horrible Emmy Sakura fandom. Uh, Chris has a bevy of other projects. He was going to plug them to you now. Some may even involve Hondo Coyote. Yeah, you can see Hondo Coyote tomorrow at Tractor Brewing in Las Lunas, New Mexico. 
Book your tickets tonight. It's not too late. It's just a short flight, presuming you're just a short flight away. Come on out to Los Lutus. And if you decide to stay the weekend, as you might, if you were going to fly out for just one night, book a hotel. You know, that'll give you a place to stay. And then the next day, you can go out to Harris, to to Harris, and you can see me and Jazz perform as two-player game out at Molly's for Jeffrey, a biker rally. Anticipated 100 to 300. Well, that is totally your audience. Oh, this is the people the jazz and I have been looking to get out the message too. I'm excited to get the groovy tunes out. What's the set on... list? Is there a lot of 38 special and Marshall Tucker band? Oh, hold on loosely. As I tell you some of the songs <laughs> that we are going to be playing here, Jeffrey. So oh, we're going to be playing. Come and get, come and get your love. Oh, bikers by... love the old 70s soul. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> but I'm, I got, I got born on the Bayou. Okay. Remember that that one. That's yes. a bit. Yeah. That's a bit of a bop. Bad Moon Rising. Yeah, they like Credence. Yeah. Can't You See? That's the Marshall Tucker Band. That's Marshall Tucker Band. There you go. Yeah. Simple Man. Skinnerd. Big that, hit with the there you go. Yeah, not Alabama. Skinnerd. Tuesday's Gone, also Skinnerd. Mm-hmm. And then Jazz is going to be singing, like, Hit the Road Jack. Uh, we'll be doing Falling uh, by Alicia Keys. Like, you know, she, she does more female numbers. We're going to be doing Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. By the I'll, Mac. The Mac's big with bikers. Dolly Parton, Ray Charles, uh, not so much, but okay. Jolene, I, you know, hit the road. Jack's gonna be That's fine. True. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And you know, we, we you do, do nighttime is the right time though. It's both Credence and Ray Charles. Jazz tells me that she could sing "You Shook Me All Night Long," so ah, we, we might be trying that. Encore. As Let's do that as the encore. Yeah, and, and we'll be doing uh, "Tush" by ZZ Top. So. Of Hey, we, we, we got some ditties in there that we think the bikers will enjoy over the two-hour set that you could come and see at Molly's. And then, since you're on a road trip, you've already flown out that short flight away anyways. <laughs> you could come on out and see Hondo Coyote perform at Monta Vista Fire Station. It'll be almost the same set, but it'll be in a different room. The acoustic's very different. Uh, one room is kind of very echoey, and the other room's got more of a hall-like echo. Uh, so, you know, you'll you'll experience really different resonances over those two nights. And then, of course, you can fly back out Sunday. A fun weekend's been planned for you people. Follow me on Instagram. Get ideas for travel like that every week as they drop. <laughs> Instagram.com slash Dr. Underscore Nope. I have no Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.